Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting and you asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows to you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. A busy show for you planned today. My buddy Keith Foreman, the co-founder of Sports Business Radio, he is in Louisiana, New Orleans, at the college football championship game between Clemson and LSU. He's going to give us an on-the-ground perspective of all the activations, everything that's going on in New Orleans. We'll talk to him. And then Tom Garfinkel, the president of the Miami Dolphins, you may remember October 2018, he was at our Sports Business Radio Roadshow in Miami. Griggs and I love that one. And uh, he's going to give us the perspective of a team that is hosting the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl is taking place in Miami. Hard Rock Stadium has undergone $500 million worth of renovations, so they have been working for years on hosting this Super Bowl. We'll catch up with Tom Garfinkel. I'm joined in studio, as always, by our executive producer, Brian Griggs. Griggs, uh, interesting NFL playoffs this weekend. Yeah, man, some crazy games, and uh, wow, that Kate, we were talking before we went on air, the KC game. I mean, who would have thought that was how that game was going to go? <laughs> it was like a video game. <laughs> yeah. Rich Eisen had a great tweet. It was something to the effect of, I feel like I'm watching two 10-year-olds playing Madden, yeah. and they're both hopped up on Skittles. Because <laughs> that's what it was. It, yeah. it was like 24 nothing, and you're like, oh my God, Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs just cannot do anything in the playoffs. Yeah. And then before you know it, Kansas City is stormed back in like three minutes. They score three <laughs> touchdowns. I think they scored on every possession the rest of the game. Yeah. And they end up winning... By 20 points. So first team in NFL playoff history to trail by 20 points and then win by 20 points in the same game. Just ridiculous. That was so crazy. And I think actually during the Seahawks game, Troy Aikman said something funny too. He's like, that was a blowout to a good game to a blowout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it was nuts. And then, you know, the Niners took care of business yep. like you thought that they would. Their defense looks really, really, really good. good. And, and you know, Garoppolo is a solid enough quarterback and they're good enough on the offensive side to win a lot of games as they did. Uh, Tennessee went in and just smacked Baltimore in the mouth. And that was one where they got up 14 nothing quickly, and then they just gave Derrick Henry the ball. And yeah. <laughs> this guy is on a run like we've never seen, too. So first running back in NFL history to have three consecutive games of 180-plus yards, two of them in the playoffs. And when you can give your running back the ball and just say, go get me 180 yards, I mean, Ryan Tannehill who is okay, but his last two games, he's had 83 yards and 79 yards passing because they don't throw the ball. They threw the ball, I think, twice in the entire second half, which, by the way, memo to all the coaches out there who get a big lead in a playoff game, run the damn ball. (laughs) Remember the Falcons in the Super Bowl against New England? Run the damn ball, (laughs) run the clock out. 
Tennessee put on a clinic. They got up against Baltimore. They gave Derrick Henry the ball, and they ran out the clock. And really, you know, Lamar Jackson didn't get to play his game because he had to throw the ball, I think, 49 or 50 times, and that's not what he does. So, you know, you took the Baltimore offense off the field, controlled the ball, and and that was a pretty simple uh, solution for Tennessee. Derrick Henry is, we were talking about, like, video game. I mean, he looks like, oh, my gosh. And he's, you know, 240 pounds, 250, and he outruns all the cornerbacks on that run he had for 66 yards. It's like, who is this guy? He's just like, it's insane how good he is. He's basically Jadavius Clowney as a running back. (laughs) It's it's kind of who he is. I mean, he's just bigger than everyone else. Right. He runs people over. Crazy. And he runs downhill, as they say. He mm-hmm. just, they give him the ball and he has this head of steam where in the first yard or two, he, he just picks up yep. so much speed. But, and then you have the Seahawks and the Packers, which turned into a good game. And, you know, my gripe is this, uh, at the end of a game, I think there was like three minutes left. Seattle punts the ball. It was fourth and 11. Yes, they're in their own territory. I love Pete Carroll as a coach. He's one of the best ever. So far be it for me to second guess him. But as soon as they punted it, I just said, you know what? You're probably not getting the ball back because you just gave the ball to Aaron Rodgers. If you give it to Ryan Tannehill or someone like that, okay, I get it. But Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau, I think you have to go for it on 4th and 11 and just say, you know what? If we don't get it here, we lose the game. But we probably lose the game anyways if we give Aaron Rodgers the ball back. And that's what happened is Aaron Rodgers came up with two big third-down conversions, great passes. You know, he's clutching those situations, so as soon as you give him the ball back, you're probably going to lose, and that's what happened. And the dagger, too, with Jimmy Graham catching the last first down. It's uh, a great catch. Yeah, it was great, and it's like Seattle fans are just like, oh, man, no, not Jimmy Graham. But, yeah, I think uh, you're right. Aaron Rodgers is just masterful in that situation. I mean, Seattle had him in two third down and longs, and he just, boom, hits it where he needs to hit it. Wasn't it amazing? Two tight ends. So Travis Kelsey, like, he dropped his first two or three passes for Kansas City. And then it was like he caught everything within a 50-yard radius of him and had like four touchdowns and just absolutely dominated the game. And then, like you said, Jimmy Graham. So, you know, we remember Rob Gronkowski and the difference he made for the New England Patriots. You look at San Francisco, they have George Kittle. Uh, These tight ends are really difference makers in these games when the wide receivers are covered it's really tight coverage. If you have a tight end who can make those kinds of catches, it's going to help you a lot. Yeah, that position in the NFL is just massive. I think the tight end is it's underrated, too. I think it goes unnoticed a lot of times by defenses. And, man, I mean, you're right. You just named off those those four there that are just huge and have been massive throughout playoff uh, history, so for sure. All right, so our Super Bowl picks, you had the Ravens. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're a little... T- <laughs> I, I had the Chiefs and the Niners. I love it. You're still in it. So at the beginning of that Chiefs game, I was like, oh, I'm done. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm out. And then they came back, and I was like, oh, okay. I, yeah. I still got this. So I'm still obviously sticking with that. Uh, I just think CBS is thrilled that Kansas City got through because yeah. a, a Tennessee Texans game would have been miserable on the ratings. And then if you're looking at – you know, that kind of a Super Bowl matchup. I think, look, the NFL wants star power from the quarterback position in the Super Bowl. And if you can get a Patrick Mahomes versus Jimmy G or Patrick Mahomes versus Aaron Rodgers matchup in the Super Bowl, it's going to be off the charts ratings. And not that the ratings wouldn't be good anyways, but it'll be a lot better with Patrick Mahomes representing the AFC and Andy Reid 
getting back to the Super Bowl and trying to win. There's so many great storylines with Kansas City versus if Tennessee gets in, there's some good storylines and obviously they're an underdog. But uh, I just think CBS and, you know, they're happy that Mahomes is in and Fox has the Super Bowl. You know, they're hoping that, that Mahomes gets through. Hey, Griggs, if you're charging $5.6 million <laughs> for 30 seconds, we got to have some star power at the quarterback position. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I think your your matchup's probably going to be that's what I would lean to now as well. So I think you're solid on that. And uh, we'll shout about it. I know, man. But that'll be if that's how it comes out. That'll be a fun game for sure. Yeah, and look, if Tennessee gets to the Super Bowl, yeah. there are some people holding tickets. Even right now, we're in the Final Four. Tennessee is plus six fifty hmm. to win the Super Bowl. So. You know, if you're a Titans fan, throw down ten bucks or twenty bucks or a hundred bucks or whatever. Those well. are great odds, and you never know. With someone like Derrick Henry, if that dude continues right. to be hot, and you just hand him the ball and he runs through everything, <laughs> and you keep the other team's offense off the field because you're doing good defense and ball possession, you never know. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. When it comes to stadiums and arenas, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art Wi-Fi and cellular services that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about 5G? Boingo's expert team helps you carry the ball through a complex technology landscape to deliver wireless solutions that will delight fans and deepen loyalty season after season. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. With Boingo, stadiums and arenas enjoy unique operating efficiencies, revenue opportunities, and digital insights into their fan base. That's a win-win. Boingo works with major league sports venues like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, and University Stadiums like University of Louisville and K-State. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. If you would like more information on Boingo Wireless, visit boingo.com or email sports at boingo.com. Joining us now on the Blinder Guest Line, is Tom Garfinkel, the vice chair, president, and CEO of the Miami Dolphins and Hard Rock Stadium. If you recall, Tom joined me in October of 2018 when we were at Hard Rock Stadium with the Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Tom, thanks so much for joining us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm great, Brian. Thank you. How about yourself? Good. I'm excited to kind of connect the dots here from that conversation we had before to now where we're just weeks away from Hard Rock Stadium hosting the Super Bowl. Let's start with the fact that you guys did $500 million in renovations to the stadium. Like I said when I was there in October of 2018, it's really the most impressive remodel I've ever seen of a stadium. How are things going as we're a few weeks out here before you host the Super Bowl? Things are going great. Um, You know, it's actually the numbers far exceed 500 now. We've put even more money into it. We've got a new... uh, training facility that, that that we're building on site here that will be ready in probably March of 2021. Um, we've got, uh, you know, a tennis center here that was another $70 million or so that uh, that's in place that has a lot of things attached to it, you know, with the Miami Open that um, just kind of beautified the grounds in a lot of ways, the landscaping, the fountains, 
uh, put in a, a sky view, if you will, that, uh, that that's going to be sponsored by Bud Light Seltzer. That's uh, uh, going to be able to take people on a ride, you know, a twenty-minute ride up in a gondola, you know, over the site, um, over over the party center where where the NFL on-location experiences will be for the Super Bowl. Um, so all kinds of new things here. Um, we've got pedestrian bridges and tunnels that we've put in that help alleviate ingress and egress uh, for, for the vehicular traffic because the pedestrian traffic no longer has to cross the street. They can just go over the bridge um, so the cars get out easier. So all kinds of fun things and, and uh, a, a lot of work, and I think we're, we'll be ready for the Super Bowl. Well, and for you guys, I know from our conversation before, it's not just about this Super Bowl. I know – all of this is part of a bigger plan to host multiple Super Bowls in the future, right? Well, it's about hosting multiple, you know, events. We really want to be a global entertainment destination. In a lot of ways, this site has evolved into much more than a stadium with some surrounding parking. This is really sort of a global event center now with between having hosting world-class tennis with the Miami Open, uh, international soccer here with Real Madrid, Barcelona that we've hosted and the other soccer events that we have, obviously music concerts and festivals like Rolling Loud, you know, where we put 140,000 people in here in the parking lots over three days with multiple stages, the Super Bowl, the national championship next year, and we're working hard on hopefully finalizing a Formula One event here um, soon. So, you know, that's another, you know, obviously major thing that would be coming in. And, and so, um, you know, trying to, trying to really make this a global event center on, on, a, on a lot of different levels and a lot of different scales. Peter O'Reilly, who runs the Super Bowl from the events operations part for the league, joins me on this show every year. He's coming on in a week or so. We've never really had the team perspective of what happens when your team hosts the Super Bowl. So I wanted to dig into that a little bit with you. Give us a, a sense of how much does the league come in and take over your venue versus how much do you guys do for hosting a, a large-scale event like Super Bowl? Well, it's really the league's event. So in, in large part, Peter and his team come in and, and um, you know, they really deserve the lion's share of the credit, you know, when the Super Bowl's over and it's a great success. You know, we're, we kind of hand them a, a canvas and, and and they do a lot of great things with it. NFL on location does a lot of great work. Uh, Peter and his team, the sponsorship team at the NFL, with all the partners like Pepsi and others who come in and do so much. Um, our team's obviously very involved. We work hand-in-hand with them, um, particularly on things like, you know, our IT team, our stadium operations team, our security team. Uh, you know, there's countless meetings with the Department of Homeland Security and the NFL and on, you know, that have been going on for months and months. Um, and with the rest of our team in terms of um, what we do in and around the stadium uh, leading up to the event. So um, everything for, you can imagine from, you know, food and beverage, the grounds, the guest services, the security, the, you know, all kinds of things. So there's certainly a lot of work that goes into it. Uh, and it's a team sort of, you know, partnership effort with the NFL, but it's really their event. Um, they, you know, um, uh, do a great job coming in. And as you know, the NFL, I think 47 of the top 50 television programs and last year were NFL events. And, you know, more people, I think, you know, watch the NFL every Sunday than vote in this country. So, you know, the NFL is is, uh, is a juggernaut, and it's it's about as relevant as you can be in the United States. And the Super Bowl is the biggest event of them all. So we're, we're happy to be hosting it, and it's, it's an exciting time. Yeah, what a great showcase for the Dolphins organization in Hard Rock Stadium, because like you said, 
this is a global event. It's always the highest rated event on TV of the year. What are some of the things, if I said to you, all right, you can pick three things to put your best foot forward and shine the spotlight on for your organization during the next month, what would they be? Well, look, I think, you know, um, when I got here in 2013, you know, we had a a 30-year-old stadium with, uh, you know, with no real plan to get it renovated and, you know, no no hope of hosting another Super Bowl and all that kind of stuff. And I think really, you know, our owner, Stephen Ross, um, you know, committed to a privately funded, you know, uh, renovation of the stadium. And so it really starts with Steve and his commitment to not only, you know, people think of a stadium renovation, they think of changing out seats and that kind of thing. I mean, when people come here, hopefully the thing that they – notice the most uh especially those who haven't been here since the stadium was renovated when they come for the super bowl i think they're going to um hopefully walk away thinking this is one of the most beautiful uh venues to host any event that they've been at in the world and and that it's particularly it's intimate for football it's loud for football in terms of you know the crowd noise and and it's entertaining and uh, you know we've got verizon putting in 5g the technology is going to be cutting edge um and just the grounds, I think, you know, um, the landscaping that we have here, the things that are going to be in and around the stadium, not just inside the bowl, uh, for people to be entertained by and, and getting in and out of the stadium and, you know, everything from the cleanliness and, and the number of the bathrooms and availability to the food and beverages and the concessions lines being hopefully short and, and um very proud of our new initiative to eliminate single-use plastics in the stadium. I think, um, you know, which we're going to be able to showcase here for the Super Bowl for the first time, you know, getting rid of 2.7 million pieces of of um, single-use plastic wow. annually here, um, including 800,000, you know, plastic bottles, 600,000 plastic cups a year that we, we go through that we've now changed out. Um, so, you know, those are the things, uh, you know, that I think we're proud of as an organization that we're trying to lead some change and innovate some things, do some things differently with our luxury seating and the way we, we look at providing people a great experience. And, uh, uh, hopefully it feels a little bit different than other places they've been when they come. I know the NFL comes in and they control a lot of the seats, but when we sat down before, you told me about the section with the $1,000 seats and how well those sell and the big seats and they got their own lane and they're getting the Grey, gray Goose vodka. What happens with those seats during the Super Bowl? Do you get to maintain any of those or do those all get turned over to the league? Well, pretty much everything gets turned over to the league. Um, you know, the way it works is you actually have to – you know, the, actually, the owner has to buy his own suite for the game. So, you know, it's really the league takes over. They takes over the league. It, you know, it's it's a league-owned asset, the Super Bowl. So, it belongs to all 32 clubs, not just us. So, from that standpoint, they they get all the seats, and then obviously partner with NFL on location and others. And uh, you know, we bought back some of that inventory that we use for some of our season ticket members and luxury seat holders and and other VIPs, et cetera. Um, but really, those seats, the genesis of that, again, I think we may have talked about was in 2004. I was at the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, and I had Chris Rock sitting right behind me, and I had you know, Martha Stewart over here and Sean Combs over there. And, and I was thinking, what would it take 
you know, what would they be willing to pay if they had big seats with TVs in front of them down here in the bowl where they could be seen, but it was exclusive, it was private. Uh, and that was really where the idea came from in my head in the first place. Um, and so we get to test it out now uh, in real yeah. life uh, at the Super Bowl. Uh, crazy crazy enough, 16 years later, it's become real. And, and uh, I'll just say those seats are selling for... Uh, a lot of money. <laughs> they're setting new records for, I think, for what seats can be paid, you know, what people are willing to pay for seats because there's only 32 of those boxes. I was going to ask you, that was my next question, is can you give us any sense of if it's $1,000 for a Dolphins game for this, it's got to be at least 10 times that much, I would think. Uh, even more than that. Uh, wow. Think, you know, probably 20, 30 times in some cases more depending on where they are. And, wow. you know, you, you could buy a, you could buy a car, a nice new car for what somebody seats yourself for. So, and that's per seat and not per box. So, you know, it's, it's, um, because again, you're talking about, you know, Miami, you're talking about, you know, celebrities, VIPs, CEOs, athletes, they all want to come here for the Super Bowl. They want to experience Miami. They want to be on the beach. They want to have hotels and restaurants and all these things. And then to come here to this stadium and experience the Super Bowl and um, and to have seats that really are kind of unprecedented in the Super Bowl in terms of having existed before in sports. Or in, and and so it's a new thing. And, um, and I think you'll see, you know, a lot of celebrities, a lot of VIPs at the Super Bowl, uh, as there always are, but probably even more so. Um, we're getting some interesting calls from, from folks in Hollywood and, and other places who want the best seats they can possibly have. And, you know, one of the things about those living room boxes is they're scarce. There's only 32 of them. So, um, so that tends to drive the, the value up. Is that a thing where they're already sold out or does the NFL just say, well, we're going to hold back until we know who's in the Super Bowl and then we'll sell them? Um, some of them, many of them are sold. Um, I actually just, you know, bought a bunch of them from the NFL right off the bat, and then I held them back. So <laughs> you're going to be so a popular I, guy. I mean, we the Hard Rock Stadium. So, um, so we still we still control uh, some of that inventory because um, we purchase the seats at their face value and and. Uh, uh, and want to, you know, want to give people a great experience at the game, really, is what it's about. Well, and the Pepsi halftime show, you've got J-Lo and you've got Shakira, and they're each going to bring people with them. So, you know, you've got this big game, but then you've got this mini halftime show concert with two of the biggest names in music. That's going to lend to the, the star power of this game. Yeah, I think, you know, again, the NFL does a great job with that. You know, every Super Bowl halftime show is, is an event in and of itself. And, um, you know, they pick the talent, and they did a great job this year. We're excited to have uh, J-Lo and Shakira here, and I think there'll be some surprises in addition to that as well, as there usually is. And, and uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tall bar to jump over when, you know, you had Prince here at our last Super Bowl in the Purple Rain, con- you know, when he was singing Purple Rain, right. and it was raining on yeah. him, and it's, it's one of the more historic halftime shows, I think, in Super Bowl history, so hopefully we, hopefully it doesn't rain, but hopefully we have a, a, another great uh, halftime here, which I'm sure we will, because they're always, you know, the NFL does an amazing job with that. All right, I always ask Peter this question, so I'll ask you. Give our listeners a sense of your crazy schedule between now and and Super Bowl, and really Super Bowl week in the lead-up to the game itself. What are you doing? What are your roles? Uh, where are you sitting and watching the game? 
Well, I, I guess I can answer that question better when it's over. Uh, this <laughs> is the first one I've done, so I think uh, you know Peter's you know uh, a wily veteran at these things, and and uh, for me, this is the first one that that you know we've hosted in, in my tenure. So. Um, you know, my calendar is certainly filling up. There's a lot of different duties and press duties, media duties, um, you know, all kinds of different things, events to go to all week. Um, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great time for South Florida, a great time for the game of football that I love. And, uh, uh, you know, we want to put on an event here that is uh, people walk away going, that's the best Super Bowl if not I've ever been to it's it's you know it's one of the best experiences I've ever had at a Super Bowl and that's again that's a tall bar to jump over when you consider you know I mean the last several I've been to have all been fantastic and the host cities have done a great job and the hosting teams you know in in Minnesota and Houston and Atlanta and they, they all did a great job so I think you know, it's it's a it's a tough bar, um, but you know we're excited about the, showcasing the stadium, showcasing South Florida, um, the things that are out of my control. You know, the matchup, the game itself, the weather, um, often determine whether people walk away having a great time. So we're hoping those things all work out. I think I've looked up there. I think there's 11 percent chance of rain on that day, uh, according to farmers. <laughs> the farmers, <laughs> you're already looking. Uh, but now we've got, you know, we've got the roof canopy that's going to keep people in the seats dry. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of deliberate thought into these things. So um, hopefully, you know, as, yeah, if, if the game, if the Super Bowl game is anything like the playoff games I've been watching recently, wow. it's going to be a great, great game. Well, and the other thing that's nice is you're going to have some teams that haven't been in the Super Bowl for a while. And, and some of them a long while. So I would think, you know, you're getting some fans that are coming and, and this is fresh to them and new to them and makes it even more exciting. Well, in, in Super Bowl, uh, you know, this is the 100th anniversary of the NFL, as you know. And so we're going to have, uh, we're, we're, you know, blessed to host the NFL 100 greatest players, you know, living, play, the, the living members of the 100 greatest players, the greatest moments, the greatest coaches, all those things, you know, they're all going to be in attendance here, which wow. makes it even more special. Um, and, you know, it, it would be nice, uh, not that I'm, I'm agnostic to who's in the game from the standpoint of, of uh, you know, if, if we're not in it, you know, it's, I'm, a, I'm a bit more agnostic about it. But, you know, Super Bowl One was the Chiefs and the Packers. So if huh. it ends up Chiefs-Packers, it'd be kind of fun on the 100th anniversary if you could reenact Super Bowl One. And uh, uh, I have a lot of friends at the 49ers and, you know, the Titans and everything, too. So I'm not necessarily rooting. I'm not rooting against them. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, any matchup will be a great matchup, but it'd be kind of interesting if it's a, if it's a, a rematch of Super Bowl One in the hundredth anniversary. Before I let you go, I know the Dolphins are so involved in the community, and I've been to Super Bowls, and I know the NFL really does a great job of rolling up their sleeves and getting involved in the local community of the city they're in for Super Bowl. Uh, give us a sense of what that's going to look like, because again, I know you guys do such a good job with that. Thank you. Yeah, we do a lot of things, you know, raising over $5 million a year to fight cancer through our Dolphins Cancer Challenge, uh, you know, our Football Unites program, our youth football program. So we'll have extensions of all those things, Super Bowl week. Uh, we'll be doing a lot uh, extended into the community. You know, we've re- replaced the field at South Beach Miami High School with the Super Bowl host committee um, and uh, the Travis Powell Stadium where a lot of high school football takes place here. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing a lot there. 
um, and just you know our whole football unites program, which extends across you know you know over fifty different organizations in the South Florida community, um, and, and we'll be involving you know all kinds of different uh, charitable activities. I mean, there's so many; it's almost hard for me to single one out because there's so much going on between what the NFL does, the host committee, and us uh, together. So, it's one of the things I'm most proud of uh, of the organization and. You know, Steve looks at, at his role as a steward of a public trust here in terms of the, the team was here before he got here and be here after he's gone. And we've got to be responsible stewards and do as much as we can to uh, impact the community in a positive way. And we, we work hard to do that. Yeah, I was going to say, he's got to be super proud of all of this, of you, of the organization, Stephen Ross, I'm speaking of. And, you know, I, I'm sure he's going to be beaming with pride uh, from now until Super Bowl, just hosting the game itself. Well, I know his number one goal is to, to, to be in the Super Bowl and win it. So right. <laughs> as, is, as is mine. So uh, that aside, uh, I think he'll be sitting here on Super Bowl Sunday. I'm looking forward to sitting next to him and uh, and looking up and, and thinking about what the stadium was, you know, six six years ago or so, and and sitting there and watching a Super Bowl and and. Uh, uh, it'll be a nice moment to enjoy that. It's been a lot of hard work and uh, getting it to this point. And I don't know that there's anybody else that could have done sort of his vision of what's taken place here because, you know, with his sort of building and construction background, I mean, to put that roof canopy on in eight months was, uh, I think it normally would take two and a half years. Uh, that was a miraculous effort in a lot of ways and uh, attributed, you know, to him being on a call almost every day to help get that done in time. So, um, you know, there's been a lot of work to go into it, and I'll, I'll look forward to sitting next to him and, and having that moment. Okay, when this is all said and done, I have to know what the top price was for one of those $1,000 seats because you said <laughs> they're going to be off the chart. So uh, I'm, I'm going to see if you'll you'll give me that information uh, down the road. But Tom Garfinkel, the vice chair, president, and CEO of the Miami Dolphins in Hard Rock Stadium, great job with everything. I love that stadium when we were there. It is so intimate. There's not a bad seat in the stadium. And I know how hard you've been working towards this Super Bowl. So uh, congratulations, and I appreciate you making the time to join me. Thanks, Brian. I appreciate it, and uh, look forward to talking after. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews. Set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash SB Radio. Now we're talking.
My guest is Keith Foreman. He is the co-founder of Sports Business Radio, and he happens to be at the College Football National Championship game in New Orleans, Clemson, LSU. It's tonight. Keith, thanks for uh, taking time out of your schedule to join us on Sports Business Radio. How are you? Oh, Brian, I'm great. Thanks for having me on. Always uh, great to come back in and and be part of the sports business radio family. It's been a while, but yeah, it's uh, it's fun to be back. And man, this is, I guess some are calling it the game of the century, um, down here at least. I don't know if it's that way around the rest of the country, but yeah, it's a big deal down here. It's, it's all or nothing for these LSU fans. So give us the bird's eye perspective. You got in over the weekend, and... I'm imagining, I mean, everything I read, it's like a home game for LSU, right? It's got to be 75-25 LSU-Clemson fans. Would that be correct? Nope. And you would think that. But you really? get down here, and I'm not I'm not sure there's a there's a school or a team that travels like Clemson does. I mean, they are they are serious. And so everywhere we've been walking around the, the city, the French Quarter, everywhere, I mean, obviously you're – your LSU fans live here, so they, they kind of have their own routines. But, boy, Clemson is everywhere. Uh, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, I've been fortunate fortunate to go to a number of these uh, CFP games, and obviously Clemson has sure, certainly been in their um, share of them, and they just keep coming. It's, it's impressive. And they're really a cool fan base. I mean, you get to know kind of the culture of a school and their fans you know, when you hang out for a few days in hotel lobbies and tailgaters and that kind of thing. And that's another interesting thing. Clemson fan and LSU fan, Tigers and Tigers, they actually get along really well. See no issues anywhere. Wow. So you would think there might be some uh, fan exhaustion from Clemson fans since they've been in this game so many times in the last five years. But from what you're saying, nope. that's not the case. No. And I think it might even have something, this is just my own thinking, uh, it might have something to do with uh, with Dabo's whole approach to being the underdog. I think they just love year in, year out being told that they're not good enough. You're not number one. You're number three. You're not going to. And they're just like a cockroach. You cannot put them all. What kind of fan activations or just activations in general are you seeing in New Orleans? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, if you want to shift into like the kind of the, the sports business aspect of it, um, it's a really, really fascinating event to come to because, you know, we're, we're well into, well, the sixth year of the, of the whole CFP program, and there's another six years left on the current contract. And so basically, you know, you get your, your New Year's six bowls, you know, with the rose and the fiesta and the sugar and the cotton and the peach and, and the orange bowl. Um, and each of the, you know, partners that support those bowls, uh, whether it's, you know, uh, PlayStation or Allstate or Capital One or or Goodyear, you know, they all have the entitlements on their bowl games. But then, you know, as part of that package uh, that they buy into, they also have the opportunity to be part of the actual uh, CFP uh, champ game, which rotates to a number of different venues, not necessarily affiliated with any of those bowls. And so that's where you start a lot of interesting activations. And, uh, you know, there's some brands that do it really well, and then there's some brands that it, it almost seems like they don't quite know exactly how to engage with their audience. And, you know, there's other supporting partners as well. As the, and the one that just, I think, knocks it out of the park, and I'm a little biased because I'm, I'm friends with a lot of these folks, but uh, Taco Bell just totally gets it. I mean, they what they do is essentially uh, – 
do the right thing. It's not so much about, you know, uh, getting their brand out there as much as it's developing a relationship with their true audience, which is the students that go to these, you know, these schools. And so their program for the last six years has been to buy tickets for the students only because it's get tickets to these big games. So 500 tickets each for uh, each of the four teams in the semis. And then again, the two teams that are in the final. And then they also hook them up with an unbelievable tailgate right before the game, just out or near the, uh, the stadium. And usually they've got, last year they had Keith Urban. And so, you know, over the years with Clemson, obviously being here as many times as they have uh, the, the relationship between Clemson and Taco Bell, it's, it's real. I mean, it's authentic. You can see it with all the, the swag that they give them. And so it sounds like the Taco Bell promotion is very much like on the ground. I haven't seen a lot of media around it, commercials, things like that. How do the students find out about this? So all year long, Taco Bell has their live Moss student section. Uh, and so just like, uh, you know, the, the teams build themselves, you know, battle for section and, and ranking how passionate and, you know, uh, fervent they are. Uh, and so um, obviously the student sections that make it this far, your Clemsons, your Bamas, your LSUs, those types, uh, they're rabid, they're pros, they know what they're doing. Uh, but yeah, all year long, Taco Bell engages each of those schools and reaches out to them. Uh, and then really it's, it's a, it's a fantastic partnership with ESPN because they're able to introduce elements of the, of the fan section uh, in the actual broadcast, the producer can cut to those fans that are, you know, they're doing their thing and, uh, um, it just works out. And so they, you know, they buy media throughout the year to kind of support the program. And yeah, it's, it's just smart. It just reaches their audience in a, in a, in a really authentic way. ESPN is going to be doing their mega cast. I think they're going to have 15 different channels of bringing yeah. you the game in some way, shape, or form, whether it's ISOs of the head coaches or, you know, people giving uh, analysis. But uh, what kind of presence do you see from ESPN? Because I know college football and college game day built by Home Depot, those are like the synonymous things around these games. Yeah, I love mega cast. I think it's great, and I think in the past few years, Joe Tessitore has been been the uh, the host for for MegaCast, and it's you know if you're in the stadium, you, it's kind of fun to watch you know all the different ESPN folks running around covering this thing from every possible angle, and uh, I don't know if you're lucky enough to be in a in a bar somewhere where you can watch the regular you know broadcast, but also peek up at that MegaCast. I mean, it's just it's just fun to kind of see all the different you know um, angles and and perspectives uh, going on, but they're out here in force. I mean, that's the really cool thing about this event is that, you know, there's just a buzz when you're down here and, you know, all these ESPN, you know, folks that you've been watching all year long leading up to this point, they're on the ground. They're walking around the hotel lobbies. They're, you know, doing their live hits from, from all over the city. Uh, So it just, it just makes the whole event come to life uh, and feel special for folks that, you know, are lucky enough to be down here. You mentioned Clemson fan earlier. Uh, LSU fan lives there, but, I mean, if you said at the beginning of the year LSU is going to be playing in this game and it's in New Orleans, LSU fan would probably have lost their mind. They've got to be really excited for this. Yeah, that it's so true, Brian. I mean, this is a big deal. And so I came to the game this year not sure who I would. I kind of, like, naturally gravitate to a team by kickoff. 
and I, w- I really wasn't sure which way I was going to go here because I like Clemson. Just, again, the, the, how cool their fans are. You just kind of like them. At least I have, unless you go to South Carolina or something. But um, LSU's story is so cool. I mean, there's so many angles on that front. You've got Ed O, uh, who's just this beloved coach, you know, from the state of Louisiana. Um, you've got the fact that they're the, it's the first time they've been in, you know, the CFP champ game. It's, it's, they're playing essentially in their hometown. Um, so there's all that. And then, you know, there's a deeper side to it. There's some players on their roster that, you know, their families, when they were little kids, were displaced and had to move away from, um, New Orleans because of uh, Katrina, Hurricane Katrina. And they, you know, some moved to Houston. And then, of course, you had the hurricane there and they had to move again. And so, you know, those stories are being told. And, and of course, you know, the Joe Burrow story is, is amazing. And it's just, there's a lot going for LSU, not to mention that they are, they appear to be pretty dominant on the field. They've just got so much talent. So I'm, I'm kind of drifting you know, to, to rooting for, for LSU um, and just all the friendliness and hospitality down here. Um, it's just, but again, you just can't count Clemson out. They keep winning these games. So I'm not a betting man, but uh, I might uh, I might cover Clemson and um, but think the LSU is going to win this thing. That's exactly what I did. I have a uh, buddy, you know Ryan, my buddy. Yeah. We we'd yep. have a $5 bet on this game every year. So uh, yeah. I took Clemson and the points, and the range on the on the spread is anywhere from five and a half to seven. And I know it. I just can't get past the so Clemson's won 29 games in a row. Tre- Trevor Lawrence has never lost as a starting quarterback at Clemson. So if you're going to give me the points, LSU may win the game, but I, I'm just going to ride with Clemson because they haven't shown me yet that they're not going to at least cover that spread. I know. And, look, this is another day at the champ game office for Clemson. They just know this routine, right? They you know, they, they know the, the patterns of the day and how to stay even-keeled, I would think, and not get too high or too low. And their coaches, just they're pros at this. They get it. And LSU, I mean, you talk about – all or nothing. I mean, they, they've got to be so amped, obviously playing in their home hometown, and haven't really gone through these emotions before. So I think it'll be an interesting test for, for Coach O, which, by the way, everybody down here talks like Coach O. I haven't figured out how to do it yet, <laughs> but it is hysterical. you got to I mean, work like on your Cajun, Coach O. You, and everybody can do it down here. It's, you know, it's like a Cajun mix between uh, Cookie Monster and Dikembe Mutombo. And, <laughs> uh, it's... But it's really funny, especially women. Hear women do their coach show. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. Well, this is a good perspective. So before I let you go, walk me through your day. What's your day? Because I know you have the VIP access for this thing. Where do you go? What time do you get to the stadium? Where are you watching the game from? Yeah. So, again, I'm so lucky to be to be able to come down here and be part of this. My buddy, uh, Will Bortz, who works at Taco Bell, has done – He's worked in sports for a long time, oversees a lot of their sponsorship and entertainment-related uh, work. And so he's put together a lot of their activations, the, the Live Moss student section, the Steel Bay, the Steel Taco, all of that. So he's, over the years, developed a really nice relationship with all the Bulls and their leaders and, and other partners. And so um, because I've somehow 
uh, been a good friend over the years. He's in, invited me to, to be part of this. And so typically on game day, uh, they've got the big activation, um, you know, set up near the, uh, the bowl. And so we'll walk over there um, probably around 1, 2 o'clock, and that's when they'll have entertainment. And, you know, you have all the different partners uh, activating in different ways for anybody, you know, the general public to come and be part of kind of that fan fest. And then obviously you've got some private tailgaters that you can go in the two that are pretty deluxe. Um, and then um, weather's always an interesting element as well. Uh, it's just crazy, but this is the sixth straight year where I think there's going to be some type of rain or cold. Actually, it's not going to be that cold down here. Absolutely. Again, walking around a town like New Orleans, which, I mean, look, this is one of your core Super Bowl host sites for many, many years. So this town knows how to do it. Um, but there'll be a lot of walking for this one. And then you'll get into the, the Superdome probably about 435. Um, President Trump has decided to make an appearance again uh, at the champ game. So that always uh, makes things a little bit uh, trickier as far as getting in. So you got to plan that. And then once you're in the stadium, you know, the, the late start time means there's going to be a lot of people staggering around. I mean, you just people start going here on Bourbon Street around, you know, 10 a.m. And <laughs> by a seven o'clock kick, it's just going to be messy. Oh, my God. But these are pros. These are professional tailgating football fans down here. They know what they're doing. That's awesome. Well, great perspective yep. from New Orleans. I hope you have a wonderful time at the game. Uh, any prediction on the on the score? God, I just I just think LSU's going to win this to a touchdown. That's just what it feels like. But I I don't think it's going to be a boat race like a lot of people have been saying. I I think this somehow this game stays somewhat close. All right, I know there's prop bets in Vegas, and if I was in Vegas, I would put down ten dollars on this prop bet. I think the game's going to overtime. Oh, interesting. We will okay. see. We will see if that happens. I think it's going to be a close game. And uh, I know LSU has a high-powered offense, but, again, if anyone knows how to slow down that kind of an offense, it's going to be Clemson. I think it's going to be a classic game, and I, I would say uh, OT. So I think you're going to see a good one there. I appreciate you making the time, and uh, enjoy, and we'll talk to you soon. All right, Brian, thanks for having me on. I will uh, check back in with you when I get home. And look, if this thing does go to OT, everyone's happy, obviously, except the fan base that loses. But the ESPN folks are happy. Your partners are happy. The fans are happy. That that would be fantastic. Keith Foreman, the co-founder of Sports Business Radio. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. Head over to MizzenInMaine.com and use promo code SBR to get $10 off your dress shirt. That's MizzenInMaine.com, code SBR. I can tell you one thing. I'll be wearing Mizzen in Maine dress shirts at all future sports business radio road shows and sports PR summit events. I can't wait. 
Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com.